it is so good to see you here, and we are happy that you're here for Senior Sunday. And we know some of you are family that are here uh, for the first time at Fourth Avenue. You need to know something. This is a church that loves people. This is a church where you will find love from the parking lot to the pew and back again. We want you to be a part of this. We also are thrilled with these seniors, very much so. I am very grateful that I don't, didn't have a child on stage today because I would have been crying through the whole thing. Uh, I'm too manly to really cry, but my eyes sweat sometimes, my eyes sweat. <laughs> and there would have been a sweating episode that would have been awful. Then I, had to, I would have had to uh, repent of the sin of pride. Uh, then I would have sweated and done it again. But uh, it's, they did such a fantastic job. And our team, yes, you can applaud that, yeah. My, my gift to the seniors is a short sermon because uh, there are other things going on today. Uh, we do not do sermons set around holidays or special days. We keep uh, our focus on Christ. And so as we're going through scripture, we're at a, a very small book, almost at a very wee book, uh, but it's tiny. Uh, the book of Philemon. In fact, I was going to even test people to see who read chapter two. And if your hand went up, then I knew you're liars. <laughs> we are, we're taking a look at, at something very interesting, um, a, a, an interesting situation that is a bit uncomfortable to talk about, actually, but we need to. It's in Philemon. We're going to read most of it, verses 4 through 16. Now, I always thank God, as I remember you in my prayers, this is Paul writing a man who was a slave owner. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your, your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is, as, it is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. And I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel, but I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. Let's set the stage. Onesimus was a runaway slave. We don't have time this morning to really discuss the, and it is fascinating, but it's a complicated nature of slavery in history. We mainly think of slavery in the more, let's say, modern era of the time of the last few hundred years, but it has always existed and among the Jews, it was highly regulated. And among the Romans, it was highly regulated. For many people, it was the only job on offer. If you, uh, there's a wide variety of circumstances that could make you be without land and without uh, a place. And you would be more like an indentured servant 
than what we think of when we think of a slave. You'd work out a contract. You'd work out a period of time. However, there were those that were born into a slave class and it stayed there or were expected to stay there for the rest of their life. It was possible to buy yourself out. It gets complicated. But whatever this situation was, let's suffice it to say we don't know much about it. And some slaves were treated like members of the family, and some slaves were treated like worse than dogs. And so we have no real context for what's going on in the life of Philemon, a guy that owned a slave named Onesimus who had run away. There's no indication he was mistreated. Paul says he was useless to you. Onesimus might not have been a very good worker. He might have actually stolen money. Verse 18 might indicate that he stole something and ran, ran away with it. Somehow, after running away, he meets Paul. Now that in itself is a great story. I wish somebody would tell us, but Paul didn't. Because Paul's in prison. How's he meet Onesimus? Was Onesimus picked up for being a man of no property and no citizenship in the city of Rome where he doesn't belong? So he's thrown into the same prison that Paul is? Very possible. But while there, somehow, they got to meet each other, and Paul converted him to a new faith called Christianity. He brought the slave in, and as the, the great Carol says, for the slave is now our brother. Now, Onesimus faces a real dilemma. If he returns to his owner, Roman law says that he could be branded with an F for fugitivus, fugitive. Or he could be uh, punished by making to drag heavy weights for a certain amount of time. Or he could be beaten for a certain amount of time. Or, in certain circumstances, he could be killed even by crucifixion. So what are you going to do, Onesimus? It's a, you might say, well, turn around and run then. Here's a problem. It's complicated. Run where? Running away did not end well in Roman society for a variety of reasons. Plus, to complicate it even more, now he's a Christian and he finds out his owner's a Christian. It looks like both people need to be talked to. And Paul's the guy to do it. So Paul writes this little letter. You might say, but still, why return at all? Well, we aren't given a lot of his internal dialogue. In fact, we're not given any of it. But we do know this about runaway slaves. They were hunted, they were brutalized, and they were killed. There are people that hunted them for sport. There are people that hunted them as their job. They had nowhere to go except into the wild, where if they were lucky, they found other escaped slaves living with criminals, vagabonds, brigands, and they would then do a life of crime, of, of rape and slaughter and theft. And now he's a Christian. He can't do that for a living. He's really stuck. I want to give you a little clue here. Sometimes in churches, people will say, you become a Christian and your life will just be fantastic. Not always. Sometimes becoming a Christian really complicates your day. Because all of a sudden, you've got decisions to make that used to be so easy. That guy, I don't like him. I shall continue to not like him with enthusiasm. <laughs> now I'm a Christian. I must love him. I must love even that very unlikable, despicable individual. 
in my own way. It's a complication. Other times, because you're a Christian, people will actually come to you, and they will say, I need your help. And before, you could look at them and say, I don't know you, don't care. Now you're a Christian. Now you have to care. You have to fake it if you can't care naturally. And you have to help the, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to turn your head around to get your heart in the right place. You've heard me say before, I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm not a Christian. I'm growling. I want everybody dead, especially whoever invented clocks and daylight savings time and changing times. And so that's just completely unnecessary. And yet, I know by the time I leave, I've got to be a Christian. That complicates my whole day. His whole life is now complicated. During the time that Onesimus had been with Paul, he'd helped Paul. Evidently, he's a nice guy, and he had cared for Paul so much that Paul calls him a son. That's why his letter is tacked right there at the end of Timothy and Titus and Philemon. Son. Christianity and Judaism were very closely linked, so Onesimus would have known the Sermon on the Mount teaching, as Nancy referenced today, in Matthew chapter 5. Let's have a look at that. Therefore, here's, this is a law. If you are offering your gift at the altar, it means going to church, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled with them, and then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who's taken you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. Jesus is saying, sort it out. Get it right. Fix it. And in fact, in Scripture, he says, if your brother or sister has something against you, you have to go fix this. He also says, if you have something against your brother or sister, you have to go fix this. It's always your turn. It's always your move. In marriage, some people will say, well, you know, I apologized last time. Guess what? You're up. It's always your turn. God says, get it fixed. So now Onesimus realizes, well, he, maybe he was harmed by Philemon. I don't know. Philemon may have been the best guy in the world, adopted Onesimus as a son, or he might have been a horrible person to Onesimus while he was good to everybody else. I have no context. But what I do know is this. No matter what side of the coin you're on, it's Onesimus's move. Boy, I had not thought about using the possessive on that name or I would have avoided it he knew that the law of the land required him to return he knew that the law of God required him to go make it right with his brother who was also his owner anybody else squirming at this this is a squirming book you're allowed to squirm but like Zacchaeus Onesimus knew he had to make it right even at great cost so Paul's writing a letter saying, watch how you receive him, Philemon. Philemon, the owner, had evidently suffered great loss, or Paul was being effusive or maybe sarcastic when he says, I know you've suffered a great loss by the defection of Onesimus, even though he does say before he was useless to you. Paul does not deny that Philemon has suffered a loss and does not approach him on legal grounds, but rather on the better ground of union. 
saying, I am your brother through Christ, and so is he now. And I could order you to do the right thing. But I'm just going to not order you, but appeal to you to do the right thing as my brother. Does that seem like kind of an order to anybody? Does that seem like Paul is kind of hugging you while right, re, taking your arm back behind your back and lifting it up a little bit high? Paul's saying, you better do the right thing, Philemon. Onesimus did. In fact, Paul even says, I could keep him because I like him and he's nice to me and I treat him as my son. Philemon needed to change his view. Onesimus was no longer a problem, no longer a slave. Onesimus was a fellow convert, a sinner, saved the same way Philemon had been saved. Philemon, verse 17, says this. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Now, Paul was in Rome, in house arrest, in prison. While there, he also wrote a book, the book of Romans. Look at Romans 15 and verse 7. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Do you think Paul might have been thinking of Onesimus and Philemon when he wrote that? It's in the same place this all happened. I want to talk to you about lifestyle choices. There are a lot of folk that treat Christianity like a life preserver on the wall or a fire extinguisher. They have it. Makes them feel good. They've never read the instructions. So if a fire breaks out, you know, they're going to spray themselves in the face. They're going to, they're going to drop it. They're going to do all kinds. They've, they've never actually trained or anything. Or like a, a, a bottle of vitamin pills that you bought once and it's in the, it's in the cupboard. And so you eat at fast food places three or four times a day. But once a week or so, you think, ah, I'll toss a pill in. That'll sort it. A lot of people treat Christianity like, I can just show up on a Sunday every so often. I'll be good. Take the Lord's Supper. I'm good. No, I'm sorry. Christianity, like health, like safety, is a lifestyle. It changes everything. It, if it doesn't change everything, it didn't work. When I was a kid, they used to give you smallpox checks and, and all this. They, they would go and, and they'd, they'd hit you a bunch of times with a needle. They'd send in the liars, the nurses, uh, who, who they would say, this won't hurt a bit. And, I'm, and it didn't take, I, I realized after a while, it doesn't hurt them is what they're saying. Bunch of sadistic. Anyway, they, they would, they just poke you continually. I, you know, I'm going, how many times do you need to do this? And then they'd put a, a plastic book, kids today, you're so lucky. No, you're not really. There are other problems. Uh, but they put a little bubble over that. Do you remember that? The plastic thing. Uh, and, and then if your arm, then, oh, it's working. Really? My arm was fine before you got a hold of it. I often wonder if Christianity doesn't take on some of us. We go to church, but we don't change. Everything changes when you go to Jesus. Everything. He owns everything. Because he's not just Savior, he's also Lord. 
And maybe that's a hard concept for Americans to get because you don't have, you, you never call anybody, my Lord. And, uh, you, know, you, you never have to, you know, to, you tug the, the forelock and bow the head and the like. But hey, guess what? We've got a Lord and hit your knees because he's not just Savior, he's Lord. Philemon, you were saved the same way Onesimus was saved. What are you going to do now? So, in verses 8 through 11, he says, I have the right, but I'm just going to tell you, do the right thing. See, this is an improvement. He's no longer a slave. He's no longer a thief. He's your little brother. He's your little brother. Change the way you view this person. How many times has God told me, pointed out somebody to me, and told me, in no uncertain terms, change the way you're looking at that person. Change your view of that person. It changes everything. When my wife and I were first married, we worked uh, for six months with an African-American church, building a, a church building for them. And then we moved up the road just 40 miles to work with a Navy church in, in Norfolk, Virginia, for about a year and a half or so before we then went back to Scotland. And in the Navy church, it fascinated me because there were officers and they were enlisted. And on the base, it was always snap to, salutes, and all the rest. In the church building, it was first names and friendship because things had changed there. By the way, if you don't know this, in a military, there are rules against fraternization outside like that. But they allowed God's law to trump man's law. And they treated each other as brothers or sisters. It was brilliant. I'll never forget the time as I was, I'd come across to do some study at a Bible college and saw a professor off campus and I referred to him as brother such and such and he stopped, he looked at me and he goes, that's doctor such and I, I couldn't help it. I don't have good verbal breakage. So I, I went, really? And so our relationship just started spinning out of control about that time. I was in Canada last week. Um, Oklahoma the week before, Canada this uh, last week, and I'll be in California this week, and pray for me. Uh, I'm going to be on a panel, and the panel, uh, I'm going to be between two, uh, two, two pacifists, and I'm not. And I don't know, I know why I'm the token not pacifist, because my son-in-law arranged the panel, <laughs> and I'm being punished somehow. So pray for me. That I, uh, that I only give voice to the right to defend myself, that I don't actually, you know, take a shot. Um, what are they going to do? They're pacifists. They can't hit back, right? Is that, that the rule? <laughs> no, please understand. You need to know something. I wish I could be a pacifist. I really do. I admire them and I love them. I really do. There's something they've got that I don't have. Uh, but pray for me that I don't say something silly. But I was up in Canada last week and they booked me in a bed and breakfast, which a normal, I, I don't care for those because there's too much social interaction. They, they think you're there to talk. And no, where's my room and does it lock? You know that, yeah. So I walked in and I said, how are you doing? And she told me, which surprised me. Uh, she had had a bad day. She'd been ill. Then she had a stray cat that had a laceration. I didn't ask. Um, She'd had to spend $400 for that. She dropped her iPhone, and by the time she's done, I went, okay. And then she looked at me, and she goes, now, you're clergy. And I was, you know, 
in Churches of Christ, we could quibble, but, you know, I thought, ah, oh, it might be a discount. So I said, yes, yes. <laughs> and she said, would you pray a blessing over us? And I went, okay, happy to do that. By the time that day was done, I'd done about four prayers of blessing over people. Next morning at the breakfast table, people were asking for prayers. They, they were calling me, oh, reverend and father and all this kind of thing. And, uh, one, and finally she looked at me, she goes, what, what should I call you? And I said, you know, my church calls me Patrick. She said, really? What kind of church is that? And I got to brag about Fourth Avenue, which made me feel really happy. Friends, why do you not call me doctor or, you know, his high exalted potentateness or whatever? <laughs> because I'm a slave that was just like you. And I was saved just like you and I've got problems just like you, and I need brothers and sisters just like you. And so we are family, and that's what Philemon needed to know. By the way, what happened next? We don't know, but we do know kind of what happened after what happened next. We know nothing more about the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus. We don't know whether he went back. We don't know if he went back and was received well. We don't know any of that story. Wish we did, but we don't. What we do know is what happened to Onesimus later because he actually is in history. Later, Onesimus would become bishop of Ephesus, highly a slave, a runaway slave, so highly thought of by the church that he is made bishop of Ephesus and he did something else Onesimus is the one historians credit as being the first one to gather the letters of Paul together to save them if you didn't get chills you're no paying attention it could be that we have the letters of Paul because the runaway slave who was so well loved was given a chance by Paul and he gathered the book together. Seniors, real quick, before we close this down, you're at a transition point in your life. Guess what? Every point is. Every single point is a transition point. And so how we behave to each other and how we live through the transitions makes all the difference in the world. You know, as I was a boy, I honored my father and mother when I became an adult, I honored them as my brother and sister. Today, I honor and care for them as a minister caring for elderly saints. No matter where I am in life, my Christianity demands certain things of me, and it will not let me loose. And seniors, it'll do the same for you. Your parents feel like they haven't told you enough. They feel like you're not ready to go, and in many ways, you're not, but you know, we never are. We never are. How you behave will indicate whose Lord you serve. Do you serve the Lord of Onesimus and Paul or the Lord of the world? This is not just a life preserver. This is not just a half-forgotten bottle of vitamin pills in a drawer. This is not a fire extinguisher we forgot where we put. This is the center of our life and it changes everything. We send you off hoping and praying that we told you enough about Jesus to change you for the rest of your life. If we want to remain true to Jesus in every stage of our lives, 
then he promises he'll remain true to us at every stage. And that's a bargain.